1: Yes, so it's show 634, and before we get into it, uh, I'm going to be introducing J-Factor in a minute, our own, our very own two-way historian, rabble-rouser, and uh, front-row seat in the Green Dragon in New Jersey. We need money more like him and I and you and most of our core listeners, but... Uh, Jay had to get uh, his stuff together because his three boys, who are phenomenal by the way, have been coming to the range like daily and they said that they were going to haze him today while he was doing a show by releasing the dogs and throwing ping pong balls at him and all kinds of stuff so there's probably going to be a lot of beat downs going on after uh, <laughs> after the show is done wrapping up but a uh, couple of things I want to talk about before Jay comes on because as a 2A historian, he's got a, this great uh, insight to discuss Uh the seminar series that I wanted to start, the public speaking seminar series, has seemed to grow. where people are calling up. Marty V. Berger wants to do a seminar on how to talk to a liberal. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, uh, Assemblyman Auth wants to do a seminar on early voting and voter registration and how to get the vote out for Republicans. And then, of course, uh, Trevor Frigno, Brad Hendricks, uh, Justin Marchetta, all everybody else who's volunteered, Rashonda Crosby, Gary mastrangelo uh, Trevor had a great idea, and he wrote, I just, by the way, Trevor was slow to start, but he took over now, so he's back in my good graces for a limited time only. And he wrote, I just finished listening to episode 633 and had another thought. I'd like to offer up a suggested, a suggested cadence of events. Generally... Uh, it would be a good idea to start with the basics of governance to lay the foundation of how things work here in New Jersey. This will be key to educating the seminar participants on why their participation is important and how it can and will have an impact in the future. Above all, I think the last point is the most important. Then let's build on that foundation with the introduction of public speaking skills. This will teach the attitude, knowledge, and skill necessary to effectively deliver a message Uh, see what i did there he used an nra um, um, knowledge skills and attitude because he's an nra instructor which is good good job you did a good job and uh, from there we can start getting into types of municipalities identifying what your town is and understanding importance of state and local laws and ordinances that govern, govern public participation in council governance Finally, we can round it all off with experienced elected officials to provide some insight with the opposition perspective about how they view public participation from behind the gavel. Oh, my God, that is phenomenal. A peek behind the curtain, so to speak, and to offer up their perspective on what works to influence discussion between representative and what actually hinders the meetings after the meeting um, conversations. In a a concluding event, we can recap to lay out the key points, get active, how to prepare and deliver an effective speech, how to stay within the bounds of the law, and how our participation has and will influence our elected officials' decision-making process thanks for everything and i'm really looking forward to this trevor trevor great job sandy and jay jay now i bring you in isn't this a great idea to start offering these seminars at gun for hire and then maybe rolling them out on on video or statewide on let's getting the people involved at the on the ground and grassroots and going to speak before people i mean we've all done public speaking you know jay uh, as good as you are now you were you were a little nervous when you first did it right
2: The first show, I was definitely nervous. But I I will say this. One of the things that I was going to say when we talked about the show was how I love to listen to when you have Dan or Scott or some of the other guys on because they look at what we're doing in such a different way than I look at it. And even though I don't see it through their eyes, when I hear them speak, it enables me to relate to it in a different way and then take the information that I have and fine tune it to what how other people see the right. So I think it's a great idea.
1: Yeah, I, I want us and we have so many people that sat on councils and we have politicians. I want somebody who's a little nervous, pissed off. I want them to be able to go before their town and three to five minutes time. You know, hit everything to the point, and then go back at the next meeting and say you still haven't answered this, that, and that. And we, Oprah, requested it on the Freedom of Information Act. And when is someone? going I want I want people's feet to be held to the fire for a change, whether it's a school board, dog catcher, or council meeting or something. So this is rolling, ladies and gentlemen. It's 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 a lot of moving parts. We're meeting in August. Uh, we're having one first general meeting in August, and then we're going to be drilling it down, and we're going to have rotating volunteers and speakers, and um, it's going to be really good. So. Thank everyone, Trevor and everyone else who's been involved up to this point for their support. Now, without further ado, we all know J Factor, um, plaintiff uh, in a couple of cases in New Jersey, tried to get his carry permit, only took him 10 or 12 years. Uh, married, three kids, lives uh, somewhere in central Jersey. Would you say you, he says pork rolls, but we're letting him on the show anyway? I pork rolls. And, uh, yes, and his his kids who are phenomenal. My compliments to the chefs. You and your wife did a great job. I don't know what crap you got, how you got to beat them when they're home, but when they're out in public, uh, they are are three responsible men who I forget how young they are, and they come in here and my staff loves them. So without further ado, Jay is going to be speaking about some uh, myths on public safety clause and its current relationship to the Shuttleworths rule that was set forth in Bruin Uh, at Note 9. So, Jay, take it away until Sandy warns us that it's time for some housekeeping, please. The reason reason
2: that I sent you the text about the public safety clause, you and Sandy were actually talking about it last week, and it seems to me that over the course of the last, let's say, dozen shows that you've had one or two instances, certainly uh, when you're dealing with Caslow, you've had one or two instances where people are not getting their... Permits and they're getting flagged uh, either by a police chief or or the judge, or they're getting flagged on this public safety clause. And the problem for us, you guys are a little bit older than me, but you couldn't have been older than five or six years old when this thing starts to happen. Is that no one really knows what the public safety clause is anymore. Mm. And the, and the other problem is. Uh, after Bruin, and this Bruin note, note number nine is a gold mine. and when they cite Shuttlesworth, that really does a lot of damage to the Public Safety Clause in New Jersey. Now, I'm not saying that the Public Safety Clause is illegal. What I'm saying is the way that it's being interpreted by these people is illegal, and it's violating the Shuttlesworth rule. So if you just want to go back to understand who Fred Shuttlesworth is, Fred Shuttlesworth is a civil rights worker. Martin Luther King calls him the most important civil rights worker of the time, Martin Luther King Jr. So if Martin Luther King Jr. is saying that about Fred Shuttlesworth, this guy's got to be special. He applies for a permit to march in Birmingham, Alabama, and they're not going to give a black man in Birmingham, Alabama a permit to march to have a civil rights march, and they just keep de- delaying and delaying and delaying. He goes and has the march anyway. They arrest him, they beat the crap out of him, and they throw him in jail. It works its way through the court. He's still found guilty in Alabama Supreme Court. It goes to the United States Supreme Court, and they decide look, all that can be expected with your constitutional right is that he applied for the permit. If the government didn't grant the permit in a tiling, timely fashion, he's still allowed to exercise his right. And, and that's really in a nutshell. I, I think you have to read Shuttlesworth because it's really important when it comes to Second, Second Amendment rule now. Uh, but that's pretty much what they said. So... Last week, when you're talking about the Public Safety Clause, I don't think that anyone who doesn't study this stuff, and this is, you know, this is not really highly important Second Amendment law when we're talking about at the time of the founding or how the founders dealt with the law, we've got, we've got to understand that this is 1966 law, right? So this is very cutting-edge Brand new experimental gun control law, and I think I think we're going to have to loop back around after we get done with it and talk about it because all of New Jersey gun control laws need to be relooked at because of the way that the Burton case was decided uh, and the public safety clause was decided in 1966. So you guys have you guys we've had discussions in the past on. Arthur J. Sills. So you know Arthur J. He's the Attorney General in 1966. Okay? So he's the day that Richard J. Hughes is elected governor, he hires Arthur J. Sills as his attorney general. Now, the way that Sills tells the story in in the newspaper, so in the press, and he also in these in these government hearings. 95 percent of the time he says that the reason that he enacts the gun control law the 1966 gun control law in New Jersey was because of the assassination of Kennedy. That's not that feedback's not coming from me is it? I don't no, think it's that's me. me all right, all right. Me. so Go ahead. so a couple times he comes out, in the press, I, I have a few. I have a few clips that he says he was contacted by three county prosecutors before the the Kennedy assassination. But to me, it's amusing because the problems that we're having right now, mostly for the most part, seem to be handgun related, and we all know Kennedy wasn't shot with a handgun. So the, it, it, it's almost comical. But March second, nineteen sixty six, there's a public hearing on Assembly Bill one hundred and sixty five. Okay, And that is the regulation of sale and purchase of firearms. And that's what became 2A151-33, t- which, uh, 2A which is now 2C58-3, and it became 2A151-44, which is now 2C58-4. A lot of people get lost because it's uh, like 160 pages, the transcript of the hearing, but if you can make it through everything, there's some really historical goldmine pieces of information. So one of them is Assemblyman Adonizia, and he asks Sills a question. Now, this is still in the morning session, but he says, and I know Sandy hates when I read this, but I want this to be super accurate for your listeners. This is his question um, on uh, March 2nd, 1966. Sir, one more question before you are excused, please. We will cover this. From a Mr. A. Goodman of West Orange who is present here. Please spell out, quote, where the issuance of a permit would not be in the interest of public health and safety or welfare. Then the questions are, who makes the decision and uh, upon what stated facts? Sills answers the question, and it's a really enlightening answer, and when you hear it for the first time, you're going to go, well, that's not the way they're doing it in 2023. I know people who are getting flagged for all kinds of reasons, and those reasons aren't any of these reasons. So let me just read you the way that Sills uh, explains it. Some of you who are legislators know throughout the entire statutes annotated that that the terms public health, that's in quotes, and safety, that's in quotes, have been used on innumerable occasions and courts have construed it in accordance with the intent of the legislation. Now, in this particular case, we were asked to maintain the qualification, although it has not been mentioned, that a person be of good reputation and of good character. Now, it is very difficult for anyone to sit down and try to construe all of the things which would make a person of poor character or poor reputation. One thing, for example, as I sit here and think, might be a person who is indicted presently for a felony and who may be out on bail, but has not yet been convicted of a crime. A person who perhaps has been engaged in every kind of escapade in his community for many, many years, but was fortunate in that he escaped the clause of the law. It is very difficult although one can sit down and enumerate all of the various things which might possibly occur but as i point out to you the present law has these very same word very same words in it with respect to manufacturers and wholesalers and we have extended it here to the point of granting of the permit and as i indicate it would be construed in the manner in which i have just suggested So wow uh, that's amazing right because yep. Like, like Sandy, when you listen to Anthony's stories, we're hearing about guys who are denied their carry permit because they have a speeding ticket and, and um, you know, a careless driving ticket. We're hearing about a guy who had a DWI 15 years ago losing his carry permit. Mm-hmm. We're starting to hear all these crazy reasons, and I don't want to mention any names, but I've been working with some people. One of the guys who was denied a carry permit Uh, was called in, and I I don't know if it was your judge, if it was Kaslow or it was another one, but he was called before the judge, and they just kept, he went in without a lawyer, which is probably not advised. (laughs) Not Not in New Jersey. uh, Right? And so the judge and the prosecutor just keep asking him the same questions over and over and over. And then so he's like, well, no, I don't have any mental health issues, but my parents took me to see a psychiatrist when I was Right, and they and they take away his carry permit. So yep. the kid, at six years old, his parents think he's got ADD, which I don't even know back then. We knew that there was such a thing as ADD. His parents take him to a, a doctor's office. He's, this is not this is not um, you know a psychiatric hospital or even an overnight stay. There's a doctor's appointment, and they take away his carry permit for this. And now he's now he's waiting to get in before a, a New Jersey appeals court. <laughs> Right? And so, I think it's important if we if we understand what Sills is saying. So, you have to have committed a felony, be arrested, and be out on bail. That's pretty serious. And I, I, I can understand that. And then the other one, the other one, like, I think we all know, I've, I've heard Anthony talk about the guys he grew up with uh, when he was young, and we all know that guy. only
0: because his statute of limitations is over. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. But we all know that guy from when we were younger who, you know, uh, escaped the clause of the law. He got in trouble all the time. They didn't arrest him. They let him go. He got in trouble, you know. And now he's a congressman. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Right. Or he's super rich and owns an IT company. Yeah, those things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, yeah, something like that. Something like that. But but here's the interesting part. Here's the interesting part about what Sill says there. It is very difficult, although one can sit down and enumerate all the very all the various things which might possibly occur. Now let's go to let's go to Bruin to that note number nine, right? And so in Bruin in note number nine, it says the forty three shell. The 43 state shell issuing licensing regimes often require applicants to undergo a background check or pass a firearm safety re- course are designed to ensure that those bearing arms in the jurisdiction are in fact law-abiding responsible citizens. That, that, that phrase, law-abiding responsible citizens, Dan spoke about it the last time he was on the show, that's, a, that's from Heller. And they likewise appear to contain only, and this is in quotes, narrow, objective, and definite standards. End quote. Guiding licensing officials. Now, that's the citation from Shuttlesworth. So to me, that's the Shuttlesworth rule. Mm-hmm. Firearms, firearms law. So the permit process can only contain narrow, objective, and definite standards rather rather than requiring the appraisal of facts, the exercise of judgment, and the formation of an opinion. And they, they take that from another case called Cantwell Can't v. Connecticut. So that's really important because let's go back to what Sills said. The Attorney General, Sills, and, and it could be Blackett, or or the legislature, they could actually sit down and enumerate all the things which might possibly occur. And so if you if you understand the public safety clause that was designed by Sills in 1966, you understand the way Sills explain it, we could actually enumerate every single thing. And you guys know what they are, right? So, and every single one of your listeners knows because every time they apply yep. for a permit, they have to they have to answer those. What is it, twelve or thirteen questions? Yep. Uh, yep. Do, you, do you advocate the overthrow of the government? Are you addicted to drugs or narcotics? Are you an alcoholic? You know, and there and there's five or six and there's five or six different others. But quite frankly, they should be enumerating everything. And I don't think one of the enumerations was: Did your parents ever take you to a psychiatrist? <laughs> because nope they like like that's not one of them one of the one of the enumerated uh items is not have you ever gotten a speeding ticket and so this is the problem with what's happening with this public safety clause there is no one from the prosecutor's office teaching these police chiefs how to process a permit so if you catch an anti second amendment police chief or and and look i'm not, i'm not trying to to blanket all police chiefs like this. I know because I deal with this just like you guys do on a pretty regular basis. And because on, on firearms owner syndicate, there's people who come out and say like, somebody just came on the other day and said they got their handgun purchase permits back from Sayreville in five days, right? Yep. That's a really good police department. Yeah. But we, we also know that there's a police department like Middletown, which has taken 120, 135 days to get someone their handgun purchase permits back. Right. And so these these disqualifiers should all be enumerated for the police chief. He should have check boxes that he does not he's not allowed to formulate an opinion that all of these disqualifiers should be enumerated to the point where he can say well this guy had a speeding ticket but a speeding ticket's not on the list he's good to go this this guy's parents took him to the doctor's office that's not on the list the the list is what 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 actually is, I don't even think there is a there is a question on there are you insane which is which is that's actually coming out of heller um
1: yeah, I live in New Jersey, so I must yeah. be insane would be yeah. a good defense. <laughs> you
2: know, you, you, you know what the interesting thing about it? And I don't know if we talked if we talked about this on a previous show, but and Sandy Sandy will know this. The the legislature that the same legislature we have today that keeps crying about um we need a we need stricter gun permit laws, we need we need mental health consent checks, right? And and you guys are aware that every time we apply for uh, 2C58-3B firearms ID card, the 2C58-3A permit to purchase a handgun, and then the 2C54, the 2C58-4 permit to carry. We have to get that SP66 mental yep. health consent form. Yep. Well, well, here's the interesting thing about that, and and I'm in healthcare too, so I'm I'm talking about, I don't know if I'm talking about you guys on the last show or the show before that, but I'm talking to my wife about the SP66 form. And she's like, well, that's ridiculous. And I was like, what What do you mean? And she goes, they closed down all the psychiatric hospitals in New Jersey in 1998 yep. because the legislature didn't want to finance them anymore. And she's like, when you see these homeless people in California, when you see these things on the news with the homeless people starting to take over an area that's because the government didn't want to finance these psychiatric hospitals Absolutely. they they used to put these people in the hospitals yep. and they don't do it anymore so what happens is and you guys know how this how this happens in government they had a budget crisis they decided they were going to save 10 or 12 million dollars by shutting down the county psychiatric Facility now there's twenty one right every every right. county had one. Yep. They're gonna yep. shut. They're gonna shut them down. But do you think that they in nineteen ninety eight? Now remember this. You know you have to think about this in nineteen ninety eight terms. Do you remember what your computer looked like in nineteen ninety eight? Like your monitor was the size of a small car. Was right, Atari wasn't it? Yeah, 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 right. And so they didn't hire anybody. To go in and take all of those paper files out of the filing cabinets and, and log all of that data into a database somewhere. So all of those all of those people that were, for me it was Marlboro, right up 520. Yeah, for all of those people who were discharged from the psychiatric hospitals, nobody ever logged that information. So let's fast forward to 2023. We have to fill out the SP66 and they're running a mental health consent form. There's no
1: data. Nope. There is no data. It's an exercise in futility. There's no data. It's It's feel-good legislation. It's what I'm
2: trying Uh, to figure out. Exactly. So when you see these (laughs) legislators come out and they're like, wow, we need to do a better job checking. It always happens after a school shooting, right? We need to do a better job of checking the mental status of these applicants who are applying for these gun purchase permits. There's no data.
0: Better than the, nothing, I guess.
2: Yeah, it, it, it is. But it, it, but, it's a, but it's amazing that we have, like, this is, this is the problem. Like, how many times have you guys heard from one, Anthony, from one of your listeners in one of the emails that you've gotten or just one of your customers up there that they applied for their permit, it's way overdue, and the detective's saying, I'm waiting for your mental health consent oh, form to come back. It's
1: almost That's a about regular 30- thirty. It's about 30% of them yeah. that, are, that are late. And here's the kicker. In 32 years, Jay, not one person has ever been rejected for the mental health yeah. search what, because what they, they don't find anything. Yeah, they, send it, they send it to the county clerk, and the county clerk is supposed to check the database. Like Passaic County, Essex County, it's paper records that were put in storage places after 1998. Yeah. That's, that's what happened. So there is nothing. There nothing, there, guys. There's, there's nothing There's n- nothing. And so
2: <clears throat> one of the things as I'm listening to your show in the last, let's say dozen episodes is that and, and this goes back to my point about um, my point about listening to Dan Schmutter when he's on the show. And then you're when you're talking about learning how to public speak and the people that are gonna get up and, and they're gonna go in front of the uh town boards and stuff like that. First of all, let's let's think about what you said in the beginning of the show. That's exactly how we got here. That's exactly what happened after the Townsend Acts in seventeen sixty five, right? And so The British are running out of money. They decide to tax us for stamps. They decide to tax us for lead paint. Mm -hmm. They decide, and people are getting upset, and they start going to these town meetings. and,
1: And the Green Dragon,
2: right? And and that's where the British get upset because we're saying you guys don't even have the authority to tax us. We don't have to pay this, and that's and that's how we became Americans. Was by actually going in front of in front in front of these councils and speaking up and saying, "Hey, you're stomping all over our rights," and 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 we weren't we weren't even hostile. We just didn't want to no. pay taxes that we didn't think that someone three thousand miles away had a right to taxes for. That was really all it was, and so it all morphed from there because. The king got upset that we weren't paying taxes, and so he starts to send he starts to send redcoats over here. Then the people are upset because they have to house and quarter the redcoats, and it, and they start drilling on the green, and and then all you know, history breaks loose, and and that's what happened. All because we didn't think that the government had the authority to tax us, which is kind of amazing, since you know we're going to pay thirty three percent in our paycheck this week when we get paid uh the whole thing is amazing but so that is that is the public safety clause now what's really what's really interesting about that is sills comes out in nineteen sixty eight a group of gun owners get together and they challenge sills's nineteen sixty six gun control law, and the case is known yeah, as sixty eight in sixty eight, it's Burton, known as Burton, Burton v. Sills, Sills right? right? Okay, and Sills testifies in that, and he says the statute provides that a pistol or revolver permit or a firearm purchase identification card, and they're not arguing about carry permits at the time, but a license is a license. It shall not be denied to any person of good character and good repute, which we just heard was what Sills was saying in the um in the sixty six. Um, A-165 debates, and that's actually written in 2C-58-3 and 2C-58-4. It also provides that no permit or identification card shall be issued to any person where the issuance would not be in the interest of the public health, safety, or welfare, quote-unquote. At oral argument, the Attorney General took the position with which we agree, that's that's the New Jersey Supreme Court, that the quoted language was intended to relate to cases of an individual unfitness where though not dealt with in the specific statutory enumerations, the issuance of a permanent identification card would nonetheless be contrary to the public interest. The, the, problem, the problem with that, and then you have to look at it you know, post-Bruin with note number 9 and the Shuttlesworth rule, is there are police chiefs that are abusing that and they're, mm-hmm. they're not issuing permits. And so I know if you read, if you read Judge Bum's decision and if you read some of the preliminaries on the case that's going to the Third Circuit now, the judges, the judges are putting in that we have the right to appeal, and that right to appeal protects our right to bear arms. So, like, if you're denied by your police chief, now you have the right to appeal to the county court. And we, we know from the last 20 years how, how good that works, right? I mean, for me, on a personal level, it took me two and a half years to get from a denied permit from my police chief into the county court. And then it took me another year and a half to get to appeals court. And then they shoot it down, you know, 10 days before Bruin, and then I have to go to New Jersey Supreme Court. That takes me another, what, nine months? And then they kick it back to Monmouth County. That takes another three months. And then the judge takes two months, three months to issue the permit. Like we're talking we're talking years on an appeal. Years. Mm. And really, after Bruin comes out, after Bruin creates this Shuttlesworth rule, they're not really allowed to do any of it. I I would say that. If you committed a felony and you're out on bail, like that to me would seem to me like a valid governmental reason for not issuing a a permit, right? But that easily could be enumerated. If you committed a felony and you're presently out on bail, you will not be awarded a purchase permit or a carry permit. That's logical, and it seems easy enough to do, With you know, the same as have you ever advocated the overthrow of the government? Which which by the way Anthony Curtis asked me this morning when he told me that he was gonna interrupt me when I was on the show. He asked me what I was what we were doing the show on and I was kind of explaining the outline of what we were gonna do and he's like, That seems kind of stupid that you can't advocate the overthrow of the government. Isn't that what we did to become Americans? <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> <He's> right. Right. <laughs> right? And the and, kid's and not wrong. He's, he's not right. wrong. And and hmm. you and you guys you guys know why that's in there right, and that goes back that goes back to that Franklin Zimmering uh firearms and policy and co- and in firearms and violence in American life all those law review guys were citing the weather underground the black panthers yeah what, what what's that
1: guy's name Huey Newton is that his name um, no Huey it wasn't Newton what was it sandy Huey Huey Oh, I can't now. Anyway,
2: they're citing these guys, and and quite frankly, like if you go back and you and you look at what was happening to the black guys in 1968 with law enforcement, and let's just use the Plainfield riots as the example. The Plainfield riots weren't caused because black people went crazy. The Plainfield riots were caused because two newer policemen beat the crap. Out of a New York City I'm um, sorry, a Newark taxi driver, yep who passed them on in the road in a two-lane road in Newark, they were going very slow looking at whatever they were looking at, and he's just doing his job and passes them, and they got mad they were passed by a black guy, pulled him over, beat the crap out of him to the point that he was unconscious, and when they dragged him into the precinct, it looked like he was dead, and people yep. started to get very, very upset. And and Huey, so, Newton, and Huey, Huey Newton, Newton and
1: Bobby Seale. Yep. Oh, yeah. right. yeah. so, so, I didn't remember that. I Googled it.
2: So so they're they're like quoting those guys. But if you go back and read those guys, those guys weren't advocating overthrowing the government. What they were saying is we need to protect ourselves from getting the shit kicked out of us. That's what right. they were saying. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So.
0: Well, you know, now would be exactly. a nice time to take a, a break and just do some okay. housekeeping. So, Anthony, if you want to just do the housekeeping.
1: Yes, okay. <clears throat> la 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 la. Let's go. All right. Remember, if you live in 49 states and own guns, you should have US Law Shield, uslawshield.com. Use Gun For Hire, one word, as your code. If you live in New York, anywhere in New York, and you have a gun, got a gun, whatever, you should have NYTACDefense.com, NYAttackDefense.com. It's $35 a month. Mention Gun For Hire in one word, and you get 10% off your monthly fee. Decoding Firearms by John Petrolino, Amazon, Kindle, and available here at Gun For Hire. We're up to 406 businesses now on StandStrong.biz. Anybody who has a business product or service that's Pro 2A, allows carry, etc., etc., go to StandStrong.biz and register your business and support those who support you. Don't forget, my doctor is Dr. Joseph Sambatero. It's Optimal Health Wellness NJ. Optimal Health Wellness NJ. Uh, Concierge Medicine, no waiting, no fuss. Lake Island Rifle and Pistol Club in Carteret, New Jersey, is looking for junior rifle members between 12 and 18 years old to learn firearm safety and to compete in small bore and air rifle competition. Go to lakeis.org. dot org. I noticed on the firearm Syndicate this is popping up a lot. Uh, Zen Float Center, two hundred nineteen Park Avenue South, uh, Park Avenue in Scotch Plains, Zen Floaters. Uh, so floatcenter.com, ask for Sharon Decker. Don't forget to stop and see uh, John and Vin at Aberdeen Guns in Monmouth County. And uh, the North Jersey Friends of the NRA dinner is rapidly approaching October fifth. Go to friendsofnra.org, click events, and get your tickets now. Please, if you want the most updated information in one spot for carry, go to gunforhire.com and click the New Jersey CCW permit right there. Training has still not been released by the New Jersey State Police, which is cool, you know, because today is the 16th, Sunday the 16th, and they can pretty much do what they want. They're 17 days late. In releasing uh, the directives for the new training, Uh, if one of us was 17 days late reporting something or paying a bill or paying a ticket or our taxes, we would be summarily locked up. And it's another reason why people are so pissed off. But the government doesn't get it because they don't care. I want to talk, this is funny, uh, uh, the New Jersey uh, Attorney General in New Jersey, Plattkin, Stuart Platkin, he just announced another major milestone in personalized handgun authorization commission, as we all know it as not-so-smart guns. So he's pushing for smart guns again in the spirit of Loretta Weinberg. So I have a very easy answer here. I am 100% all for smart guns. After the entire New Jersey State Police Department starts carrying them as their sidearms and Stuart Platkin, his security detail that protects him armed (laughs) 24-7, when they start carrying these smart guns 24-7, I will entertain bringing one into the range for testing. Until then, mind your business, first-tier elite that's protected 24-7 by armed officers with my tax-paying dollars, shut your mouth. Back to Jay.
2: And the smart gun is interesting because everything since Heller, and, and it was kind of ignored for 15 years, but everything since Bruin is how the right was viewed at the time of the founding. And you can't imagine that you know, Samuel Adams and John Hancock were going to advocate, we're only going to carry government-issued Smart guns. It just that, that just seems silly to me. These are the guys that were smuggling smuggling guns out of the Caribbean, and there, there's absolutely no way they're they're doing that. So I have can I, can I give you guys a little good news update? Um, Go ahead. Joe Laporto, Mark Cheeseman, and I were asked by, and I'm not going to use any names. Uh, New Jersey legislator to write an amicus brief for the Third Circuit for the uh, ANGRPC CNJFO FPC uh, case. And we did it. As it turns out the guy who asked for it is having some primary trouble and just just couldn't do it. Uh. We tried to find someone else um, a guy up by you who's a very pro-Second Amendment guy, but he got, uh, you know, it, it seems like it seems like with these legislatures, no one can just make a stand and say, I want to do it. They have to ask 400 people for permission to do something. Yep. So, so he decided not to do it. So here we are. This is not. No, this
0: all goes back. I'm sorry, Jay. This all goes back to what Anthony's been saying for a very, very long time now. You need to go out and get. A, um, a New Jersey firearms ID card for yourself and for everyone in your family who is eligible that's the only way that these clowns when they check something to find out how many gun owners there are in, and their, legislative see, district. in their legislative district maybe then they'll grow a set of balls and stand up and sponsor legislation until then nothing is going to happen
1: nope so go ahead, Jay. So he backed out. You tried to get another one. They backed out. You and should probably talk offline on this. Maybe I have somebody. But well,
2: uh, you know, anybody who's heard Mark Cheesman on the radio, Mark Cheeseman a little rough around the edges. Like he's a he's a tough man. Except yeah. when it comes to when it comes to Second Amendment stuff, this guy this guy's amazing. He talks to everybody. He a lot of people just like to send texts. He picks up the phone and calls people. Anyway. There is a deal in motion right now with the Michigan Coalition for Responsible Gun Ownership that they are going to take this brief and fly it under their banner, sharing it with Firearms Owner Syndicate. They have their own lawyer. They are going to edit it to incorporate themselves into the brief as uh, co-authors of the brief and that they are going to uh, submit the amicus brief in the Third Circuit. And so just before anybody becomes alarmed, this is not a legal brief. What we put together was strictly historical and historical from the point of view of the most important New Jersey founders. So when this case breaks and the PDFs are available online, you got to have to pick up that, um, the Michigan coalition, uh, Firearm Syndicate amicus brief and read it because it, it comes right out of the book. It's stuff that I don't think anybody's ever seen before, but it really hits home for us in New Jersey and it's very eye opening to how the right was viewed at the time of the founding. So for me, that's very good news that we got, we got, we're moving forward with that.
1: I love it. So
2: when I, when we started this, I was saying that um, one of the things I think. You know so let let's face it. Dan Schmutter's very busy, right? David Jensen's very busy. FPC is very busy. All of the guys that know how to do this, and for anybody who doesn't understand what I'm talking about, there are only a handful of Second Amendment lawyers that know what they're doing, yep, or how to argue it. and you could be a lawyer. But you don't understand how to argue Second Amendment law. And so we have to rely on our core group of guys that get things done, that get things done. And they just can't be fighting every single case at the same time. So to the listeners out there, I would like to say this. I understand there's still a lot of problems going on. But after this problem is solved, I think you're going to start to see you know, a domino effect of all of these things start to get knocked off. Like, who, who has the, who has the um, magazine case? That's ANGRPC? Uh, yes. I think that's, that's clearly a win. There's no way, there's no way the government can, can win that one. Certainly not. I don't think they could have won it after Heller. Certainly can't win it after Bruin. Um, I, think, I think
1: the FPC and Cheeseman have the assault weapons case. Yeah, um, and ANGRPC. And There's two assault weapon, two evil features cases. The good. judge has them both at the same time right now. Yeah, I would love
2: the evil features uh, lawsuit because, for me, if you, if you uh, know the history be, uh, behind Article 1, Section 8, Clause 16, there is no such thing as an evil feature, so I can't wait to see that win. But as soon as these cases start dropping, or winning, I should say, uh, these guys will start to go after the rest of them, and one of the things I think that we need to review is the entire permitting scheme in New Jersey because I don't think the handgun permit to purchase is legal. I think that if you I read agree. if you read that note number nine in Bruin. If you read uh, the decision on page 2822 in Heller, you're either disqualified to exercise your rights or you're not. So once you have the FID card, I don't think that you can have that permit to purchase a handgun. I think that just delays the right more and more. And think about this, like, you're you're a vendor of, of handgun. How many guys come in there to look at a gun that would buy the gun that day And they have the FID card, which means they've already been vetted by the government, right? They're not doing a different vetting. There's not a different SBI number on your FID card than there is on the the pistol purchase permit or the carry permit. It's all the same SBI number. How many more handguns could you sell if you could just use your FID card to buy a handgun, right? Like It seems to me I would probably have 40 more handguns right now if I could buy a gun that I saw because I thought it was cool when I came out of the range and I was looking through the case and I was like, you know what, I have to have that. So
1: I think I think that permit to purchase... It's gun, it's gun rationing. That's what it, it, it is. It's,
2: it's gun a, rationing. It's 100% gun rationing. I'm waiting to see now because I just filed for two and I used to get mine pretty quick. I haven't done one since the new $25 thing. I applied for two and... Both of my references came back and like, I have a crew of guys that'll do them in like two minutes. No matter what they're doing, they'll answer it and send it back. So my references were done same day. I got my email back the next day that my references were done. I'm in about a week and a half now and I still don't have my pistol permits. And I'm waiting to see if my detective calls me and tells me he needs the $50. Or I'm hearing on syndicate, guys are saying that the police departments are sending an email with a pay link now. So I, I don't know, but I, I'm almost thinking it might be better for me not even to take this pistol permit and just file in Judge O'Malley's court and say, you guys deny me a pistol purchase permit. So a- anyway, um, I'm going to tell you guys a little, bit, a little story. And this is why I think that the whole New Jersey legislative gun control scheme, or at least most of it, I, I think they can get away with that FID card. I think that note number nine in Bruin says they're allowed to have that FID card. I personally feel like the FID card should be the carry permit. Once you have the FID card, I think that's there's no, reason, there's no reason for a carry permit, right? You've already been vetted to keep arms. Bearing arms is the same thing. I don't think you need two permits. But I'm going to tell you guys a little story. Remember I told you in the beginning of the show that... Um, Richard Hughes, the governor, hired Sills on his first day as governor? Yes. Richard Hughes was a county judge. He was actually an assignment judge. And he quits being a judge because he says he can't make enough money being a judge. And he's going to go into private practice and then he becomes the governor and... His premier piece of legislation that he pushes is SILS and this gun control law, which is very interesting because after he's the governor, he comes back and he's a judge. He's becomes the chief justice for the New Jersey Supreme Court, and the New Jersey Supreme Court upholds the gun control law in every case that they get. So that is really bizarre. But one of the things that we need to understand is that Richard Hughes met Arthur J. Sills at the Public Utilities Commission, and it seems to me um, from everything that I've read that the Public Utilities Commission is a governmental agency that political groups used to warehouse their operatives until they have a place in government to give their operative a job, and so these young Democrats they don't have a place for them in government. They put them in the Public Utilities Commission to work as lawyers, and they hang out there and collect massive paychecks, and then they get they get a judge job or an attorney general's job or they run for governor or whatever it is. So it's very interesting that these two guys come out of the public utilities. Our lawyer in Burton v. Siltz, from Superior Court to Appellate Court to Supreme Court, his name is William Ozard. He's a Republican... Legislator, I don't know if he's in the Assembly or if he's in the Senate. It doesn't matter. He's a Republican uh, legislator in New Jersey. He's a lawyer, and I don't know what kind of lawyer he is, but he's definitely not a Second Amendment lawyer. Anyway, one of the things you should be aware of in in the Burton decision is that um, Justice Jacobs, this is what he writes in Burton v. Sills, quote, The common law did not recognize any absolute right to bear arms that much is conceded by the plaintiffs who cite the statute of northampton 2 edward 3 chapter 3 13 28 which declared that no man should go nor ride armed by night or day in fairs markets nor in the presence of justice or other ministers why would why would anyone on our team cite that that, mm. that that's bizarre now justice jacobs leaves a citation there and his citation is c emery so emery is His name is Lucius Emery. He's the Chief Justice of the Maine Supreme Court at the time. In 1915, he writes a law review in the Harvard Law Journal. And he didn't say that the common law did not recognize any absolute right to bear arms. What he said was, the guarantee does not appear to have been a common law right like that of trial by jury. That's what he said. He never said... The Second Amendment is not absolute, and so if we start to, and we know that, right? We read, we read in mm-hmm. Heller, um, Scalia gives us that Sheldon citation. You know, you can't go, you can't say you're using the Second Amendment to go kill your neighbor. That's a perfect example. But getting back to that FID card, the Second Amendment, if you are a law-abiding citizen, and you're using it for the core lawful purpose of self-defense. It is absolute. What's not absolute is you can't commit a crime with it, and this is the confusion that New Jersey government agents have, is that they think crime control means controlling everyone, even what Burton would call the fit elements of society, which would be, which would be all of your listeners who have the FID card. And so that's why I think it needs to be reviewed. So anyway, let's get back to this guy, William Mazard. William Mozard is a Republican legislator, Hughes is pushing the Gun Control Act, Sills is fighting the Gun Control Act. In the middle of the case, Governor Hughes appoints our counsel, William Ozard, to the Public Utilities Commission for this cush job. Not and much has changed. That much is that changed. Now. Our counsel in Burton v. Sills is now getting a check from the Public Utilities Commission Which is, which Sills, which, I'm sorry, Hughes, the governor, who's pushing the gun control legislation, puts him on. Is that that amazing? Is that one of the most amazing scams you've ever heard? It's just New Jersey.
1: Wait, how about a Goldman Sachs guy that becomes governor that's still in bed with goldman sachs goldman sachs is financing the trillion dollar wind farms off the coast of new jersey and we just gave the swedish company a billion dollar taxpayer tax break that's our money ladies and gentlemen so that goldman sachs phil murphy and the swedish windmill company could make billions of dollars seems familiar but go on jay nothing's changed since 1968 well well we sandy
2: we know that right because this whole it's now they call it Identigo, but it used to be called Sage and Morpho, right? <laughs> we that, know who that is. That was, that was the other that was the other gun control Corzine. governor. Corzine. Corzine. Yeah. So every time we pay that twenty one fifty or that twenty three dollars, now it's what twenty one and a dollars and a three dollar
1: convenience fee.
2: Every time went, we pay that, he gets money. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. Goldman Sachs, by the way, Corzine was a Goldman Sachs guy too, who became governor. All right. That's that. All right, well, that's all the show prep that I did. So if you guys want to
2: bounce some stuff off me, I'll answer your questions. Well,
1: well, Jay, I I love what you're doing, and everybody loves to have you on the show because you open up everybody's minds and, and show people how much uh, crap has been going on forever. It's all backdoor deals. Let's face it; yep. these elites—they're all protected. They're all in bed with each other. <coughs> Murphy now is uh, you know doing this thing with the with the wind. Uh, mills or whatever off the coast of uh, you know, he's supposed to be an environmentalist, a liberal. He doesn't care that all this ocean life is dying. They just turn a blind eye to it because it's all about his buddies and financiers and everything. So it's just, it's corrupt to the core and, and we know it. And I will agree with you, Jay, about about ninety percent of the police departments have been doing a good job. All right? Yeah I got that's an email a perfect the other number. night from some yeah, I got, a, I got an email the other night where uh, one of these towns, the, pol- the police department was doing reference calls at 10 o'clock at night. And I did a little research on it, and it's because they reassigned the permit officer, and he doesn't want them to back up. So he's working the night shift, and in between calls and stuff, he's calling references up. So I, that's an A+. Plus, you know, there's plenty of towns that are doing it. The 10% of the towns that are bad are really, really bad. I mean, Newark is a year... Passaic is a year Patterson is a year and a half I mean and again it's always these inner city towns you know and it's mostly because of those people we don't want to carry as the Democratic politician McKeon said right do we really want those people to have guns well I so, need to let me just say something to, the, to those to those people quote unquote you need to document
2: all of this. If you're getting, yep. the, run, if you're getting the runaround from your, from your agency, you need to document everything. Try not to do anything in a phone call. Try to send them certified mail and get them to mail you something back or at least put it in an email. And I'll tell you why. At the end of, at the end of note number nine in Bruin, it says, this is the last sentence. That says, because any permitting scheme can be put towards abusive ends, we do not rule out constitutional challenges to shell issue regimes where, for example, lengthy wait times in processing applications or exorbitant fees deny ordinary citizens their right to public care. If you're in in Newark and you're waiting a year, you need to document that I would send at least every two weeks a certified letter to my permit processor and, and keep copies of everything because... Eventually, when Angie RPC is done, eventually when Jensen is done, eventually when FPC is done with the cases that they have going, they're going to start to go after these rogue, these rogue yep. departments. And these yep. rogue departments could actually take the whole. Like, if you if you understand what um, Justice Thomas just said at the last sentence, of note number nine, they could take the whole permitting system down. They really yep. could. They really could do it.
1: Believe me, it's coming now. It's interesting that you said certified letters because remember what happened to Mo in in Patterson, right? He had sent like 27 emails and he would left numerous voicemails. He had the documentation on his phone that he sent the 27 emails and the judge asked the Patterson officer, did you respond to any emails? No. Did you respond to any of his voicemails? No. So total blackout silence for a month, frustrating the guy, right? And then what they did was they red flagged them because, you know, they didn't like being called for for not doing their job. But I like the idea of a certified letter uh, because most of these towns, the the people that come into my range that are frustrated, they don't, it's total blackout, Jay. They don't, you leave a voicemail if you can even leave a voicemail. Most of the time, the voicemail's full. But if you can, no one ever calls. You send numerous emails, no one ever uh, responds. And then when they go to the clerk's office or their permitting office, the nasty person behind the window just says, the officer's not in. Yeah, exactly. And like I've had people tell me, they said, the officer's not in and they can see him yeah exactly. In the back so, of the room, they can see him, so
2: back when we were doing the Shuttlesworth rule letters for the people who were having trouble getting their carry permits and that and you turn me on to let you turn me on to i'm just going to use uh, uh, Vin yeah. from Midd- from middletown right yeah and, and, and he was not the only person that I had been working for in Middletown at the time. There were a lot of people in Middletown who were having trouble at that time, but <clears throat> one of the things that you do when you send the certified letters is you make sure you carbon copy that letter. So I started, I don't know, maybe it. Maybe I didn't start probably until letter 200 to 300. I started copying you on the letter, yep. and people would, people would ask me, why are you copying him? I don't really want him to read this on the radio. I go, I don't even think Anthony's going to open the envelope and read it. It's I the have same, them all in a drawer. It's the same letter every time, but what happens is when the guy gets to the fifth page and looks at the carbon copy list, we've got the attorney general on there, right? Right. Yeah. We we have uh, the prosecutor on there. We have the chief of police on there. We have the judge. We have the head judge at the administrative office of the court. The last thing they want is is Anthony Calandro on Gun for Hire Radio talking about this problem because they know it's illegal to delay it past the ninety days. The other the other thing that I started to do maybe around two fifty, which I think was brilliant, and people people didn't understand it was we just and, and you know what does it cost two dollars to send an extra certified letter we were copying um hardiman in the third circuit and everyone was like well why are we doing that and i go look you're sending it to hardiman and he can't do anything with it because it's not a federal case it's not in federal court but eventually one of these cases is going to get to court and new jersey's going to tell hardiman and the judges in the Third Circuit that they're processing permits in a timely fashion, and he's gonna go, wait a minute. I've got I've got a legal box on top of a filing cabinet in my office filled with letters from citizens of New Jersey who are complaining that their permit is out 220 days, 250 days, 260 days. There's no way you guys are, are processing permits inside of ninety days. I know that for a fact. So Make sure, if you're yep. having trouble, that you document it because eventually one of these, one of these Second Amendment rock stars, as, as you call them, is going to need plaintiffs for a case to take on the state of New Jersey because one of these rogue regimes or five of these rogue uh, departments or, you know, we, I saw the other day, Red Lion, Red Lion Barracks is brutal. Just absolutely brutal. Brutal, yep. brutal with people. And so one of these days... One of these one of these rock stars is going to need plaintiffs for a case, and if you have all of your all of your paperwork sent certified mail, and you have the and you have the pay tickets and the delivery confirmation and the letters, it's it's really going to be difficult for the state to defend that and say, wait, well, we were getting it out in the timely fashion, and they're going to be like, look, this guy was sending you letters at the 120 day mark, and you still hadn't got the permit processed.
1: Jay, this is it's brilliant response. We you know since the carry started. We tell everybody as well, get a manila folder and document everything and make copies of everything. In the beginning, we carry with so much confusion. People would be waiting six months and the PD would say, oh, we we don't have your uh, notarized. We're missing one copy of your application. Oh, we're missing your qualification form. We're missing your mental health form. Just make copies of everything. Keep it in a folder. On the inside of the manila folder, on the left side, if you're right-handed, put a timeline there. 6-4, 6-4, submitted. 6-5, call back. Put, put a little timeline there. I mean, you have the emails. You have the certified, your receipts for your certified letters, whether it's your FID card, carry permit, or whatever. Listen, it thrills me. At least not a week goes by where somebody doesn't walk in and they tell me their police department's good for permits now because of me, an officer got reassigned. Yeah, I like that. that. That needs to be done more and more and more. Yes. And, wh- and when you do that, I've noticed, because
2: remember... I was denied my carry permit the first time in 2006, and I went to court in 2008. So it took me two years the first time. After I fought them the first time, my, my purchase permits would come out within 48 hours. Like, <laughs> they don't, because the last thing they want to do is get dragged back into court.
1: You know, my buddy Fatty out in Hawthorne, You know, he was the one that hired Napin and sued because he was a first-generation immigrant. And he was born in the Middle East, and they wanted all extra paperwork for his FID card. And he said, I came from a country where the police department made up their own laws. I refused to do it. He took a stand. He paid nap. And anyway, he won, and he got his legal fees back and everything, right? And fast forward two years later, his wife went in. To put her FID card in, and the permit officer asked for the same illegal stuff: passport, <laughs> birth certificate, and everything. And he was with his wife, and he said to the he says Are we going to start this all over again?" And the permit officer mm-hmm. got up and went and talked to the police chief, and came back and goes, "Oh yeah, that that stuff won't be necessary." Yeah,
2: <laughs> you know, like what the what the hell? Well, see, this is the problem. There is there is no standard system of issuing permits in New Jersey. Like the attorney general has never written guidelines for it
1: because they hate us.
2: Yeah, you're right. right. Yes. Because they hate us. That's right. Jay,
1: you're, by the way, Jay, you're also one of those 2A rock stars, by the way, because you've, you've done yeoman's work since the beginning, especially with the carry and getting those letters out. Jay, when, once Jay decided to start copying me on those certified letters, I have a small banker box full of them, by the way, uh, as copies, and I would gladly call them out if need be, and I would appear in court if I have to. Anyway, Jay, I can't thank you enough for being on. I, I'm going to be in Florida, but good luck at the, uh, the Project DC fundraiser. You're going to be speaking with Brian Bergen and Bill Spadia. Keep doing what you do. Uh, thank your wife uh, again for the great job she did on those three boys. I'm sure you had a little bit to do with it as well. And uh, we got a ton of classes, instructor classes, use of force, et cetera, et cetera. Sandy, take it from there. I'm t- tired of talking. Jay, see you at the range in a week or two. Jay, yep. thank you so much for everything Thanks, that Andy.
0: you do and for all the work that you put in. And it looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gunfire Radio. Gunfire Radio is a Kennedy Community Production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show host, Pastor trainer, author of Crime Thief, think like a criminal and beat them at their own game, Anthony Calandro, whose book is available, though he failed to mention it again, at bookstores everywhere where you get good books, and at the bookshop, gun shop, gun range, known as Gun for Hire, and if my tongue would work today, it would be great. Uh, I want to also say to our vegan pilot friend, if you decide to also offer a course on emergency crosswind landings in a hurricane, I'm there, dude. (laughs) Okay, we love you guys. Uh, God willing, Jesus, Tarries and the batteries hold out from the New York City skylines and the beautiful Gulf Shores of Alabama. We love you guys. See you next week.